You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sinner, one who knew he was guilty. There were no words of condemnation. There were no words of condemnation. There was no rebuking of sin. It was just love and caring, welcoming words guiding a sinner into the kingdom of heaven. And then he sees his mother, the one who comforted him when he had his cuts and bruises as a kid. On the cross, while Jesus was in the most pain a human can bear, gasping for breath while his lungs were slowly collapsing, he was thinking about others and making sure he can help as many as he could before he died. Today, Pastor Dave expresses the intensity of what Jesus said while on the cross. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 19 as he begins his message, Words from the Cross. chapter 19 in the Gospel of John, these three verses. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus, after being condemned by Pontius Pilate, was taken from the praetorium, led away to be crucified. Jesus would hang on the cross for six long hours. Six excruciatingly painful hours he would hang there. The soldiers would cast lots for his clothing, And according to the other gospel accounts, the crowd would jeer at him. They would yell at him. They would scream at him, hurling abuses at him and challenging him to prove that you're a son of God by coming off the cross. All the while, it's taking everything that Jesus has to take one breath. Remember, crucifixion is death by suffocation. The nails that were driven into his hands and his feet, the brutal scourging that was extremely painful, these weren't designed to kill. These were not designed to kill him, but they were designed so that he would die a very, very slow and painful death. Very slow and painful death. Jesus couldn't breathe, let alone speak. But speak he does. And he cries out from this horrible place. He cries out, and the other Gospels record his first words on the cross, and they were directed to the Father. Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These were words of forgiveness, words of forgiveness, because here you see Jesus crying out to the Father, and we would expect Jesus to cry out, Father, help me. Help me in this time of need. 
I need you desperately. But knowing Jesus the way we do, it's only fitting that he would pray this way. Notice that during this extremely dark hour, he doesn't pray for his loved ones. He doesn't pray for his friends. No, Jesus' prayer is that the Father, the Father would forgive those who had put him there. That the Father would forgive those who had nailed him to the cross, the ones that were standing there jeering and yelling and screaming at him. Jesus prays that they would be forgiven. When Jesus was speaking at a Sermon on the Mount, He says this in chapter 5 and verse 44. He says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus knew that. And here he is showing that very example. Praying for the ones that put him there. This showed great meekness on his part. And do not confuse meekness with weakness. Meekness is power under constraint. Jesus had all the power at his fingertips. He could have called legions down from heaven, but he chose not to because he knew it was God's plan. I wonder what those who are standing around the cross heard. I wonder what they heard. Were they cut to the heart? Did they realize that they had actually put to death their Messiah? The jeering and the mocking and the abusive language must have pained Jesus more than the nails in his hands as they rejected him time and time again. So the first thing we see Jesus doing is forgiving them for they know not what they do. The second words on the cross we find in other gospels was addressed to the criminal who was crucified beside him. Today you will be with me in paradise And as his first words were words of forgiveness, his second words were words of salvation. The second words came from the cross. The criminals on either side of him seemed appropriate because Jesus always associated with sinners. But one of them, according to the other accounts, railed against him. If you're the son of God, cast yourself down from here and take us with you. But the other one came back and said, this is an innocent man. He has done no wrong. We're guilty. He has done nothing wrong. And then he looks at Jesus. And he says to Jesus, remember me today. Remember me when you get to your kingdom. Beautiful words that Jesus talks back to him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me. It's interesting that both men heard the same words that Jesus spoke. And one came to the grace and knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. And one did not. His second words were words of salvation. Words of salvation. John doesn't record any of that. John doesn't record those words. They're recorded for you in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John records now that there are other people still at the cross with Jesus. Other people who are attending his execution with the soldiers and the abusive crowd. These were people who were close to Jesus. These were people who followed Jesus. These were people who loved him. So let's look at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. It's interesting to me that while Jesus was healing the sick and feeding the multitudes, thousands upon thousands followed him. 
He, he captivated this large, giant crowd of people. But as his ministry progressed and his teaching became more and more intense, those that followed him started to decrease in number. You know, there was only 70 that went to share the gospel that he sent out. And there was only 12 that remained at his side after his, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood statement. Only 12 remain. And now, at his most crucial hour, at his most painful time, there's only a handful there. Only a handful had stayed at the cross. John names them. Mary, the mother of Jesus, her sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, the other Gospels do mention other women. Other women from Galilee who had been ministering with Jesus, and they're standing afar off watching the crucifixion. We know that the Apostle John is there because he's writing firsthand knowledge. But we also know that Peter was somewhere. Somewhere afar off. Because if you read his first epistle, it says... He was eyewitness to the suffering of Jesus. So Peter was back in the crowd someplace. He was kind of hiding still, looking out. So here's Mary, Jesus' mother, at the foot of the cross, watching in absolute horror, watching every rise and fall of his chest, wondering if he still could take that breath. Can you imagine what was going through her mind? Can you even begin to imagine what was going through the mind of Mary at that time? I came across this really neat essay that I would like to read part of it to you. It's called The Crucifixion Story from the Eyes of Mary. And I'm going to quote this. Quote, the crowd stank of sweat. The sun was intense. It bore down on the crowd with such vengeance that it seemed only God himself could be behind it. Mary gazed through tear-filled eyes as her son was forced down an aisle of people with a great cross on his back. When he slowed for an instant, a kick to the ribs would get him moving again. Mary must have turned her way or be sick, but she couldn't bring herself to take her eyes off the child that she had raised. Suddenly, Jesus collapsed. The cross bore him down, slamming his faith to the hard-packed dirt. When the Roman soldiers kicked him, failed to stir him, a man was grabbed out of the crowd and forced to bear this great burden. Jesus limped on behind. He faced what he knew must happen with the strength of only one man could ever possess. And as Mary watched in horror, she saw her little boy battered and beaten. All that was left of his back was muscle hanging down from bared bone. The little flesh that remained was barely clinging to his back, a swollen mass of purple. Blood flowed freely from the open wounds. A crown of thorn was placed on his head, causing blood to pour down his face and into his eyes. As he came closer to Mary, she ran to embrace him, but was thrown down to the side by the guards. As Mary watched the procession continue, moments seemed like hours as they finally reached the spot of crucifixion. A wave of nausea swept over her as her son was thrown onto the cross, which lay on the ground. His arms and legs were tied tightly to the wooden piece. A soldier with a giant nail in his hand raised an iron hammer high into the air. Mary saw Jesus as a child, smiling up at her with luminous eyes full of love. Clang! The hammer came crashing down, and his screams was heard throughout the hillside. Mary's eyes exploded with tears. Another rusty nail was placed, and the hammer raised. Mary saw young Jesus holding up a wooden chair that he and his father had made. Proudly, clang! The hammer struck again. And the wailing scream of Jesus was matched only by the screams of his mother. The third nail was placed on his feet. The hammer ascended for the final blow. 
Mary saw the young Jesus run into the house, nursing a cut and bleeding hand. She cried and kissed it for him, still hearing the words that she said long time ago. Don't worry, my son. I'll never let anything happen to you. A hammer came down a final time. Jesus let out an unearthly scream, his pain unmatched by any other. Mary tried to look away, but she couldn't because the crowd kept on yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Her eyes fixed on his bleeding body, held by the rusty nails to the rugged piece of wood. Her heart screamed, and she could no longer see through the tears in her eyes, nor did she want to see. The cross was raised slowly, Jesus' body on display for all to see. The multitudes let out a cheer while seeing Mary and the mother of Jesus, the Son of God himself, were the only people not overjoyed. Two thieves were raised beside them, Prince of Peace, their bodies nowhere near as mangled Jesus, unquote. What was Mary thinking of when she watched that? What was going through her mind as she watched her son go through this? Quite possible that as Mary looked on her son, she was remembering the visitation by Gabriel. That glorious day when Gabriel came and told her that she was going to have a son. The glorious day when it was the first announced that she had been chosen by God to bring the Savior of the world into the, into the earth. She had heard the angel, and her son would be great. He would be called the son of the most highest. The Lord God would give him the throne of his father David. Did this all run through her head? Quite possibly, something else flashed through her mind. Was it the words of the prophet Simeon? Was it the words of the prophet Simeon when she had brought Jesus to the temple and presented him to the Lord? After she had finished her days of purification and after she raised a child on the Lord, Simeon came to her and said something strange to her which seemed foreign to her. Let me read from Luke. Luke 2, verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul, own soul also, that, he, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Prophecy. A sword is going to pierce your heart. Was that what Mary felt? A sword piercing her heart at this time? There had been many things that she pondered over through the time of his years. And now everything was beginning to make sense to her. For as she stood there watching her son crucified, her heart was being pierced. Jesus looks down at the foot of the cross and he sees his mother. Look at verse 26a. When Jesus there saw, therefore saw his mother, looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. Jesus' eyes looking into the face that first greeted him when he came into the world. He knew the pain that she felt, the anguish in her eyes. He wants to comfort her. Seeing and recognizing a close friend that was standing near her mother, Jesus speaks his third set of words from the cross, words of affection towards his mother. Look at the rest of 26. And the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Imagine the anguish that Mary felt in her heart at that moment. She had bore him as a child. He was her firstborn the first ever to hold in her arms, and she loved him. Imagine her heart as the crowd were jeering at him and, and casting lots for his clothes, and it all seemed to be so real. 
looking at his head, blood running down from the crown of thorns. She kissed that forehead once. His hands now held the cross by nails. She once remembered and comforted her hands when he hurt them. Her mind must have been filled with all sorts of images. Maybe she was realizing during this time that he wasn't hers. Maybe she was realizing that she was really his. Maybe she was realizing that the one that she bore was truly the creator of the world. Maybe it was all starting to come about and it was all starting to be true. Maybe she saw Almighty God hanging on that cross that day. Maybe it began to sink in. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. So, was there a master plan? Was this what God had called her son to do? His eyes moved from his mother and he looked at his beloved disciple John standing there and he spoke to him in verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Not only were they words of affection, they were words of assurance. They were words of assurance to Mary. Words of assurance of his great love for her. He chose his choicest disciple, the one who rested his head on his bosom, to be her adopted son and care for hold. Behold your mother. Jesus was telling John, my friend, my friend, take care of her for me. And after all, Jesus was the firstborn. It was his job to take care of his mother. He was supposed to take care of his mother. And it appears right now that Joseph has passed away. If Joseph was alive, why wouldn't he be at the crucifixion? Many believe that it is this time Joseph has passed away. Jesus knew the time was short. He knew that he only had mere hours or moments hanging on that cross. And he had a lot to accomplish. But yet he took great pains to see that his mother was well taken care of. John tells us that from then on, Mary stayed with him. We do know from Scripture that Mary was among the believers in the upper room at Pentecost that day when the Holy Spirit fell. We do know that Mary was there, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the rest of them waiting. What an honor this was for John. What an honor this was. What a beauty I see in Jesus' words. What caring, what purity I see in these words. Brings out, honor thy father and mother. Beauty. We spent a lot of time last week looking at the cross. We spent a lot of time talking about the cross that showed the greatest love story ever told. We spoke of it in length. And what's amazing to me is that here is Jesus, scourged, bloodied, and beaten, nailed to a Roman cross, struggling for every breath thinking of everybody else except himself. Thinking of everybody else. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thinking of salvation. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Thinking of his mother. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And as we reflect on these first words of the cross, I begin to see something about the extent of Jesus' love. If you ever doubt the love that God has for you, you must go back to the cross. You must go back to the cross. As you examine it and as you survey it, you see Jesus dying in agony, gasping for every breath, but he is aware of the needs of others. He is aware of your needs. He is aware of the sinful nature that the others have. So the first thing he asks for is forgive them. They're not responsible. 
They know not what they do. When you examine the cross, take heed to the word that Jesus says to the thief, an undeserving sinner, one who knew he was guilty. There were no words of condemnation. There were no words of condemnation. There was no rebuking of sin. There was just love and caring, welcoming words guiding a sinner into the kingdom of heaven. And then he sees his mother, the one who comforted him when he had his cuts and bruises as a kid. But he sees her at the foot of the cross, heartbroken, weeping, inconsolable. His heart goes out to her. And rather than being consumed by himself and what's going on, trying to take that breath, he's touched by her. He's touched by her need. He was touched by your need. He was touched by the need of the entire world. His compassion was incredible. It was in great. Soon she was going to be a widow, or she was a widow now. But she would be known as the mother of a crucified criminal. I mean, she had a lot of things going against her. First of all, they thought that Jesus was illegitimate. And now, well, your, your son was a criminal. He's nothing but a common criminal. Who do you think you are? The other children in her family didn't even believe in Jesus for a while until after the resurrection, so she had that to contend with. When you look at the cross, you have to marvel at the compassion of Jesus. You have to marvel at the compassion of Jesus. Remember in the Gospel of John when he said that he loved them to the end? Here you see him loving to the very end. Loving to the very end. It was the cross and on that cross that Jesus made his love for the world passionately evident. And you've never experienced that kind of love. That kind of love is foreign to you. You always thought that God was some guy up there with a giant wooden spoon waiting for you to mess up so he could whack you upside the head. Maybe that's your opinion of him. And maybe because you had difficulties with your earthly father, you don't think of a heavenly father any different. But as I read the Bible, I find that the supreme and dominant theme throughout the Bible is that God is love. God is love. And his love for us, his love for the world is so overwhelming that we can't fathom it. But we can't recognize it. But because of his holiness, and because he is holy, God cannot condone nor look upon sin. But on the other hand, God loves the sinner. And he has a conundrum. What do I do? Well, it was easy for him. Because he's just, he can't excuse sin. But since his love goes hand in hand with his justice, he's made a provision for sin by the atonement through his son. God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.